From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, July 12th. Near the base of the LaSalle Mountains, Pack Creek is babbling along. Thunderclouds are actively building overhead, which could send some more water into this drainage. And now, for the first time, there's a device that will measure the height of Pack Creek and let locals know if it's likely to flood. It has a sensor right at the downstream end of the box culvert that senses how deep the the water is. Chris Wilkowski, hydrologist with the U.S. Geological Survey. He works out of the Moab Field Office, which is part of their Utah Water Science Center. And today, he's inspecting the recently installed Pack Creek stream gauge. Uh, It's powered by a solar panel. It has a little data recorder. It records the height of the water every 15 minutes. There's been talk for a little while about getting a permanent gauge in here. Um, So yeah, this is the first sort of permanent, more permanent structure. The gauge is basically a sensor wired up to a box of electronics. It's situated on the bridge just before Pack Creek Ranch. And it took a lot of effort to get it here. $10,000 in equipment funding from nonprofits and water managers, another $10,000 annually for maintenance paid by Moab City, Grand, and San Juan counties, and coordination from Utah's Division of Water Rights. It couldn't have been done without the city and the counties and some of the local nonprofits. Mark Stilson, regional engineer at Utah Water Rights. There's a lot of interest in this stream gauge, not just for flooding awareness, but for data. This will definitely, I think, be an important piece of information as we look at trying to, you know, maintain the groundwater resource and, and regulate it in a way that we don't overuse it. He says Moab is situated in a very geologically complex valley. And um, how the water moves through the valley and how it recharges into the groundwater aquifers, there's still a lot to, to uh, study and understand. This is why so many different organizations are supporting the Pack Creek Stream Gauge. They're hoping it will provide a missing puzzle piece of information about our local water system. That's because the surface water of Pack Creek is tied to the groundwater. The water that's flowing past this gauge right now, if you go downstream a little ways, it all dries up. And the water just doesn't evaporate into the air, it goes into the ground. Wilkowski explains it goes into the Valley Fill Aquifer. That's the aquifer at the kind of the top layer in the um, unconsolidated sediments of Moab Valley. Um, it's the aquifer where most people have shallow wells that they use for, mostly for irrigation. So the USGS knows the Pack Creek drainage provides recharge for the Valley Fill Aquifer. And now they want to know exactly how much. Wilkowski says this gauge will help shed light on this question, especially during the winter months. That's when the trees and plants are done drinking. During the winter months, once they drop their leaves, they stop sucking up the water. So then we really know, okay, all the water that's in the creek, that's kind of the maximum that's coming out of the rock formations, um, flowing past this spot, re-entering the groundwater recharge system. So kind of, you know, maybe November through February, that's the period that will tell us how much water is going into that valley fill aquifer. Getting a better understanding of Pack Creek's relationship with the Valley Fill Aquifer is one piece to solving Moab's water puzzle. Wilkowski says there's still a lot of unknowns about the other aquifer, the Glen Canyon Group, where Moab gets its drinking water. It's the water that comes out of the sandstone. It's the really nice, clean, good drinking water. That's a whole nother, very complicated system. 
monitoring that system is also a work in progress. The stream gauges can really help. The USGS has a national network of stream gauges. It's part of their mission to measure the quality and quantity of the nation's water, a mission made even more precious today. John Wesley Powell actually installed the first stream gauge in New Mexico in 18-something. I should know that, but um, he, he put in the first stream gauge, and the USGS has kind of, ever since then, run, run stream gauges. I mean, I live in Moab, too, so, you know, I'm happy to see it here for the long-term monitoring aspect, but also the flood warning aspect. The Pack Creek gauge is up and running. You can check out its data at waterdata.usgs.gov. You can also sign up for alerts when the gauge height is coming up. Wilkowski says the current base flow stage is about eight and a half feet. So nine and a half feet might be a good number to set an alert. Find links in the show notes. Last month, Yellowstone National Park and surrounding areas were hit by historic flooding. But much of our region remains in a severe drought. So how can those extremes occur side by side? Wyoming Public Radio's Caitlin Tan reports for the Mountain West News Bureau. On June 12th, river levels rose so fast and so high in Yellowstone that much of the park flooded. Creeks and rivers expanded onto the shore, destroying roads and bridges along the way. Even a log cabin for employees fell into the river. It's the water rushing down and pulling all the the, uh, dirt away. That is insane. The extent of the damage was unimaginable. It made breaking news nationwide. Yellowstone National Park remains closed this weekend after catastrophic floods overwhelmed. But at the same time, much of the West is burning. Last year, more than 7 million acres of land burnt. So naturally, much of the news has been focused on the 22-year-long drought in the West. Drought is intensifying across the West. Almost half the country's population is facing dry conditions, but it's... So how does that work? How can there be historic flooding when there's also a historic lack of water? It's just always important to remember that weather and climate are two different things. That's Erin Horton. She's a water supply specialist for the Natural Resources Conservation Services. Well, there's like what's happening on you know, a more daily basis and climate is what the overall trend is. So the drought in the West is considered a climate trend. It's long term. But the flooding in Yellowstone was a weather event, which is short term. And specifically, Horton says the flooding occurred because of something called an atmospheric river. Which means there's like this narrow band of really intense moisture that concentrated over that area. She says it started in the tropics and moved through the Seattle area before hitting Yellowstone. Atmospheric rivers usually happen on the West Coast and are quite rare inland. And when they do come to places like Wyoming, it's usually winter, causing heavy, wet snowfall. But if they come in the spring, it causes rain. Here's Jackson-based meteorologist Alan Smith. So the fact that the moisture was subtropical in nature meant that the temperatures that came with it were pretty mild, and that led to rain across even the highest elevations. That warm rain was falling onto an above-average snowpack. Even though our region had a relatively dry and mild winter, a cold, wet spring made up for it. Smith says some areas had double the snowpack averages by early June. 
Warm temperatures and high amounts of rain falling onto lots of snowpack created the perfect storm. You just had a ton of water flowing down these rivers into these canyons, which led to the flooding and the runoff. In a more typical year where the snow falls mostly in the winter and temperatures rise gradually and there's no extreme rain events, our region wouldn't see flooding like it did in Yellowstone. Horton says even in a big snow year, it melts gradually and rivers peak around midsummer. And Alan Smith says that even in a drought, there can still be an increase in precipitation at certain times of the year. Suddenly you have a huge storm system that dumps a lot of rain. It doesn't matter how dry or wet the preceding conditions were to that event. If you have that amount of moisture coming out of the sky all at once, you can, you can have flooding even while you're in a drought. Smith says he wouldn't be surprised if more flooding events happen in the future, because with drought comes warmer temperatures. That could lead to more rapid snow melts. And if you throw some heavy rain, like what we saw recently on top of a melting snowpack in the spring, we could certainly have more flooding events as well. Smith says that the flooding actually helped move most of Yellowstone out of drought status. Previously, it had been in abnormally dry to a moderate drought status. However, much of Wyoming is still in moderate to extreme drought. I'm Caitlin Tan in Pinedale, Wyoming. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, July 12th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.